KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. From KYW News Radio 1039 FM, this is Bridging Philly, connecting our communities on the issues that matter to you. Presented by Gift of Life Donor Program. Organ donors save lives. Hello, I'm Raquel Williams, and here's what's coming up on our very first Bridging Philly. U.S. student loan debt totaled over $1.6 trillion last year. We'll check in with Philly's own student loan doctor, Sonia Lewis. Our Newsmaker of the Week is also in the business of helping folks rid themselves of student loan debt with a specific emphasis on how it affects communities of color. We need to get somebody who is an HBCU grad and struggled with college debt to make this conversation. Our Philly Rising Changemaker of the Week is lyrically gifted and visits schools to rap about staying positive especially in the midst of the ongoing gun violence. We implement in positive thought patterns. Now that's a packed half hour, and it's all coming up on Bridging Philly. Hello, and welcome to Bridging Philly. Student loan borrowers in the U.S. owe a collective $1.6 trillion in federal and private student loan debt as of March 31st of last year. That's according to the U.S. Department of Education. There's been some moves in Washington with the Biden administration extending the payment pause, but ultimately we need to find out how to get out from under. Here to help us out is Philadelphia's own Sonia Lewis. She is CEO of the Student Loan Doctor. Thank you so much for joining us on our very first Bridging Thank you for having me. Well, Sonia, let's learn about you. Tell us about your background and how you became the student loan doctor. By the way, the first woman-owned and African-American-owned student loan debt repayments company in the country. Now, that is a pretty big deal. Thank you. So um, all jokes aside, it started because I was broke (laughs) (laughs) and I was struggling with my student loan debt. And The thing is, my background is in higher education, and I've been helping adult learners uh, with financial aid and college advising for years. Um, It's even sometimes studying with my doctoral program, how student loan debt disproportionately affects African-American women. So I was just really, really wildly interested in this topic, also being an African-American woman, and it led me into the practice thereof, which is this business today. Um, now, when the business started, it started with me helping people after church. So I'm oh. helping people literally in the church basement um, in North Philadelphia. And I'm like, you know what? I should like meet people at Corner Bakery and then see how much they'll pay for my time. Oh, wow. I'm not to be, yeah, I'm not trying to be funny. I didn't hear the Lord say to keep doing it for free for hours. <laughs> so right. as a result, I did try it out. Um, Corner Bakery, Cozy. I had different locations. It was such a, a fun time. Mm-hmm. And um, the business had took off. It was no longer like a little hustle or side project. It was like, this is a real thing. I'm going to make this a real business. And then I got myself an office in Jenkintown, and it really just grew word of mouth. Um, 2018, it popped. So wow. we put a meme out there that said first African-American woman owned, because we did our research and we found other companies or we found student loan consultants, but I, at this point, had built a, a brand. And so what was interesting is when we put this meme out there, I remember like it was yesterday, Every radio station picked it up. The news picked it up. Blogs. And I'm like, oh, wow. my, what's happening here? And we did these different interviews. And it was just so nice because I felt like we we broke some common ground on people being yeah. free to say, I'm struggling, too. And and what can you do to help me? So we we got three. I remember it was like 
800 DMs, 800 emails. I mean, it was just a phenomenal time just to see people have a safe space, if you will, right. to talk about their student loan debt. Well, I understand that you were once known as the overdraft queen. How is that possible? Systematically, I had a plan on how to overdraft bank accounts. I was like, oh, at this account, I could do 700 over. I could, wow. it was bad. But I would, and the thing is, it's not that I didn't have a good job. I had a bad relationship with money. Right. And so I felt like I deserved more. I wanted to travel. I wanted to do shop. I wanted to do all these things that my paycheck could just not handle, to be quite honest. And I found myself, you know, robbing Peter to pay Paul. And I'm like, I don't think I'm supposed to be living like this. It didn't feel good. I couldn't sleep. Um, you know, is the car going to be repossessed? Wait, if I just use this account, it was not a good time for me. And, and out of that, I started going to some uh, financial literacy classes. And, and that's how it, this whole thing really got birthed. Because when I was there in class at the church, when it got to the topic of student loan debt, no one had answers. Wow. No one knew what to do. And, and, you know, it's that common knowledge that a lot of us possess that we don't think is a gift or a skill, mm. but it really is because that was really stress-free for me to tell you what to do. And so that's how I was able to really help others. Yeah. Financial literacy. It's funny that you bring that up. Financial literacy is not something that we're born with. It's no. not something that you just automatically just know. You have to be taught. And interestingly enough, you know, students that are entering into this agreement when it comes to student loans, they're just excited about, you know, continuing their education. They don't really care. Okay, yeah, I'll pay that off later. You know, this is great. But they really don't understand how to manage money. Do you think that this should go with some kind of education when they apply for the loan? They should go through some kind of program, something, because, you know, they just don't really know how to handle it. Yeah, this is the biggest loan that you can take and borrow that you do not have to give a lot of details on what you need the money for. Like if you have a high school diploma or a GED, you're in the game and you're in the game for a lot of debt. And someone age 18 trying to make these big decisions with this big amount of money, that's not it's really scary to think that someone would be able to have that much financial control that can change their their life in such a big way. Then when we think about grad school, right, grad school, you can borrow so much money and, and grad school, really, the cushion is also for you to be able to live and study. But if you don't have the proper tools on how to use the money, now your graduate degree becomes a burden or the cost thereof of a house, if you right, will. Right. So now you graduate, right? You've got your master's, you're at your job, you go to buy a home. Then you find out you can't get one because you already own a home, technically. <laughs> and so the cycle continues. And, and what we see a lot of times with our um, young African-American women in particular, um, statistically, most agreed, but also most with the most debt as well. So it, it just becomes really, really challenging that the cycle continues. Why is it that we are suffering and under this crush of so much debt, $1.6 trillion dollars? That's a ton of money. Well, why do we have so much of this? Yeah, I think our government isn't really, to be honest, when you look at other countries, isn't equipped to help our students through the education process. And then, you know, I find that a lot of our clients that we help are in what's called the sticky middle or they grew up in the sticky middle. So the sticky middle means you're not poor enough to get a full ride but you're not rich enough to cash pay. Right. So you literally are in the middle taking out loans when you probably still need financial aid in terms of free money and grants. And, and, then, and, and then just depending on who the borrower is, we're, we're still looking at a lot of first-time generation students. 
So there was not a conversation about how to be a smart borrower or to get a degree that would be a good return on investment. Mm -hmm. It's just like, go to school, figure it out when you get there. You get there, then your financial aid officer, if you're lucky, will take an interest and help you break down these numbers. But they're so oversaturated with all the literally tens of thousands of students. So they don't have time to sit and coddle you and go through your package with you. This is an expectation that you know how to read these numbers. Mm So on average, how long does it take for someone to pay off their student loan? If they're doing it properly, how long should it take, I should say? (laughs) There's two types of borrowers, right? So when we see a male borrower, on average, probably takes him 10 to 15 years. A woman, particularly if she went for a graduate degree or um, a doctoral degree, now we're talking about 20, 30 years. So if you figure the point of graduation um, it's somewhere between 30 and 40, like really complete with a degree. Now we're talking about this person literally not getting out of student loan debt till 65, 70. Wow. And, and the thing is, it used to end when you retire and you started getting Social Security. But about three, four years ago, that changed even so that you're still paying through your Social Security. So that's crazy. I mean, honestly, how do you, you graduate and then you're paying off your loan all the way up until it's time for you to retire and then some? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Wow. So that's the problem. It's like that's a setup for that. And then it's like, was the degree worth it? Mm. You know, then you start asking these questions, then the resentment builds in. Now we see people defaulting on their loans or prior prioritizing their life over their loans, the mortgage, the car. And it's not designed that way. It's designed to be the student loan, the mortgage, the car. Right, right. Oh, boy, that's, that's a, it's a lot. It's a lot. And I noticed that you're talking about um, the difference between men and women. And I did read that women tend to take out more money uh, than men do, which is interesting. But uh, black students do borrow more uh, in greater amounts. So I guess we are owing more than everyone else as well. Mm-hmm. In general, because statistically, again, uh, black women and, it, and we can debate, you know, why that is, but maybe it's to be more competitive in the workplace, okay. feel like they have to continue to go for their degrees against their counterparts. Tom's uh, bachelor's degree holds maybe to Susan's master's or doctoral's degrees It's still unequal in the workplace. And so because of that pressure now, now we're not the same at work. We have the same $50,000 salary, but my take home is going to look different than your take home. Right. And I remember having that real experience at work. Like, oh, you have student loans? Nobody paid that for you? Nobody? I'm like, pay, who, who's supposed to pay it? <laughs> you know? I remember exactly. having these conversations at the lunch table being really enlightened that, no, there's no one coming to pay mine. I, I, that's not happening. Mm-hmm. They talk about good debt and bad debt. And I was going to ask you, I think I already know the answer, but you could talk about why. Is student loan considered good debt? Mm-hmm. When people say good debt, it's because it's an investment in yourself. Okay. And then the, the goal is that if I, if I, if I borrow 30000 then my salary should look like sixty, seventy. But realistically, we're not seeing that. We're seeing people borrow fifty, sixty, and my salary is forty, fifty. Mm-hmm. Not even starting off in more than what you borrowed. So is it good debt? I mean, that's debatable. Do you feel accomplished about yourself? Yes. Um, and that's a pride in itself. You should be very excited if you have your degree. But it's not really that much of a celebration when we're talking about a five, six hundred dollar payment. Or if you're a nurse or a, a person in higher education with a doctoral degree, now we're talking about an eight hundred, one thousand dollar payment. You see what I'm saying? So now yeah. it's not really feasible for someone. It's not to be celebrated. What types of government programs that are, are currently on the table that can help people get out of this heavy debt? 
So we saw a lot of success with helping our clients in the pandemic because we had a lot of time to focus in and make people because they were seated at home, look at their documents and see what they're eligible for. So the Biden administration, they're not doing that many things, right, in my opinion, when it comes to student loan debt. But one of the things they are doing right is they're cleaning up prior programs from the Obama administration. So the public service loan forgiveness program is being cleaned up. We see people resubmitting paperwork as we speak so that they're able to uh, be eligible for immediate forgiveness. Like there were clauses before that if you did a consolidation or you were in this type of payment plan, you're not eligible. But now the cool thing is with these revisions, they are. The total permanent disability program And we were really happy to help a lot of people with that process, you know, because people had all type of reoccurring things happening with their bodies and and they qualify for 100 percent forgiveness. So, you know, take a close look again at these programs. Uh, Studentloans.gov is the best website. It's legit. Look to see what you're eligible for. And I always tell people, what's the worst case scenario? You find out you weren't eligible. But what if you are? And and mean that it would be a good thing at that point. It sounds like knowledge is power. Do people really know all of these different avenues that are available to them? No. So this is why our platform exists. And this is why we had so much success. And I know that sounds really radical. But, you know, I remember when I first started the business, people were like, a student loan business, nobody needs help with that. I'm like, yes, they do, because it's the number one thing that watch this. When it comes in the mail, it goes right in the trash or goes in the drawer. Nobody ever said, you know what, let me read these terms. Let me look up these forget. I'm going to make time today look up forgiveness. It's just not a real thing right. because there's shame around the debt. It, it feels like a burden and it's not something people want to take on. So what we do on our platform and what we've been doing, and I know it sounds weird, but making it fun is, OK, we're going to have a class. and We're going to dissect this information. Um, as far as the Biden administration is concerned, I know they had the, that pause on payments. Mm-hmm. But, you know, a pause is a pause. It's not forever. <laughs> it's it's temporary. No. Well, it's so interesting. The last pause was supposed to be the last pause. And then like literally a day before it was supposed to go or, or, or a few days before it's supposed to go back in. Um, they're like, oh, OK, you know what, guys, we'll do one more extension to May 1st. So we're at May 1st as of right now. So what's cool about that is, is it gives people a further opportunity to really tackle their student loan debt. If they were in default, it's still the best time to get it cleaned up. If they're eligible for forgiveness, you could be accumulating all those free months that we were not required to pay towards uh, forgiveness. And what we've been doing is stressing to our students in our tribe, we call it, how about you take this time because you don't have a payment to figure out how to bring in more income so that you can counteract that payment when it starts in May. And we've been having a lot of quote unquote fun with that. And people have been having a lot of success with making more money because our favorite tagline is you don't have a student loan problem you have a streams of income problem if you had an additional thousand coming in you wouldn't talk to me about your student loan payment nine times out of Mm ten you would know where that money was coming from but when you are check to check or when your your responsibilities meet your paycheck barely nobody's thinking about that student loan payment so just helping people navigate more money has been really crucial during this time, too. You mentioned loan default. Now, at what point is someone in default of their student loan? And then what happens after that? Yeah, 270 days past due. Um, you know, envelope colors start changing. I tell people emails get more <laughs> aggressive. However you take your communication. Um, but once you hit default, it drops your credit report normally like 60 to 90 points. And to be in default, there's one or two ways to get out. Well, one of three ways. 
One is to pay it in full. Um, that's the only time they'll even allow you to negotiate the amount owed. The, the second option is to do a consolidation, which is the act of putting all of your federal loans together for one brand new payment. Mm. The third option um, is to go through about nine to 10 months of a payment plan of sometimes like $5 a month. It could be more, but they're just trying to make sure you do what's called rehabilitation, that you actually follow through with payment. But you only get one time to do a consolidation. You only get one time to do rehabilitation. And then if you mess up and it happens to be that you go into default again, now you're just liable for the payment in full. So you don't want to end up there. You want to keep communication open. You want to see um, what options for forbearance do you have. Um, everyone has 36 months of what's called general forbearance. Okay. Once you get through your general forbearance, if you consolidate, you get another set of 36 months. Once consolidation has occurred, you have to use these months wisely because, again, we're talking about people taking 20 years to pay this back. 36 months is only three years. Right. Consolidation is six total at best. So you really have to know how to use your months if you are having a uh, heart. And there are other hardships too. You would get laid off, you can do something called economic deferment. If you were affected by weather, there's a weather deferment. So there are literally about 20 options you could provide to your lender as to why you couldn't pay if there was truly a reason. You mentioned keeping those lines of communication open, which I guess is key because, you know, as those envelope colors start changing, like Mm -hmm. you said, and those emails become more aggressive, you don't want to ignore those things. So you can actually knock off a significant amount of what you owe if you communicate and let them know of the hardships and they'll work with you, right? They will. Again, you have to make sure those options of deferment or forbearance are available. Um, some lenders, if they don't hear from you, they'll put you in it automatically. Some won't. So there's some inconsistencies from lender to lender, of course. Okay. Um, that's been a challenge. But yes, if you communicate with them and explain what's happening, they will go through options with you. It's people want to often communicate once it's too late. Yeah. Now that's the challenge. Right, right. So what's the biggest mistake, Sonia, that people make when it comes to you know, paying off the the student loan. So they got the student loan, they graduated college, they're making these payments. What's the mistake that everyone's making? Well, I mean, there's really no mistake to pay them off. That's a great thing. But if you were like going to go buy a house, for example, you would want to not pay it in full your student loan off before buying the house because it would significantly drop your score. So a student loan is what's called an installment loan. It's different than like a revolving credit line. Okay. So whenever you pay a cardinal off, or a student loan or any type of loan, and it's paid and reports to your report, your score drops because guess what? It can't calculate the debt anymore. So if you're going to buy a home, let's draw this student loan on out. $5 pay, whatever you need to do, you know. Um, But the mistake that I think other people make too is that they don't consider the different repayment options that they have. Okay. So there's so many repayment plans, income-driven repayment plans based off of your income, or there are extended or graduated plans Meaning I don't qualify because my income is high, but I can make this payment go for 25, 30 years. When you get that letter in the mail, they're only looking at the payment at a 10-year mark, not over 25 or 30 30 years. So you're seeing a letter like, oh my God, I owe $800. Well, that's the payment over 10 years and not what you could qualify for, which could be 25 or 30 years. Got it. And either way, they're going to get their money. Let's talk about garnishment of wages. Uh, I'm I'm sure that people have come to you and said, oh, my goodness, they're taking money out of my check. I never forget. We had a caller, um, a client. They took her money in the paycheck before she got married. 
And she was planning to use some of that money for like her floral arrangements, whatever she needed it for. And she was crying hysterically on the phone with us. So we we get pleasant calls, but we get a lot of crying phone calls, especially around tax season. You know, this year, though, um, because of the changes with repayment not going into May 1st, most people will be exempt from their student loans being taken because of uh, going into default because we're going to pass through tax season okay. for the most part. So that's the good news. Okay. Um, but on average, what I tell people is, is the Department of Education sends what I call the naughty list to the IRS um, um, about November. So you don't want to be on that list, meaning please hold so-and-so's uh, tax return. So it starts with a tax return. That's okay. usually first. Okay. Second is they can go into your paycheck up to 15%. And so if you have a private loan in certain states and you default, it could go up to 25%. I literally had a client that total 40% of her check was missing because she had a defaulted private loan and she had a defaulted uh, federal loan. Ouch. So she had to literally, being a grown woman, 36, 37 years old, had to move back home because, and she was a school teacher, you know, made good money, but the money is gone now. Yeah. Again, we were able to help her with her federal loans, but the private loans, and I know this sounds really strange. She lived in uh, New Jersey. I think it was like near Camden. We told her like, you need to move to Philadelphia if it's an option because Pennsylvania and Texas are are, those the two states in which a private loan um, has to go through so many hoops to collect on the debt. Whereas in a state like New Jersey and Georgia, they can just go in just as simple as a federal loan. So like, you know, and I know it's not a, it wasn't a work through solution, but she owes so much private loan debt. Realistically, now we're just talking about managing the problem. So she moved? No, she did. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) She did. She had to. I mean, she didn't want to live at home. Mm -hmm. And as her address changed, she notified them they had to stop because now they're under Pennsylvania jurisdiction at this point. Okay. So, yeah. Let's talk more about the student loan doctor and all the programs that you offer. So we do a lot of one-on-one services. Uh, we always start with a free call to even see if we can help. Then we go to a 30-minute consultation. Um, and that's just more so doing some discovery questions and kind of finding out if it is, in fact, something we can assist you with. Or we'll be really honest and say that is something you could do on your own. So then from that point, a lot of our students will go into what we call SLD University. So that's our online community. Uh, we have about 5,000 members for that. And that's more so like a resource hub. So we do monthly classes online, different program teachings, different guest speakers, or we may be teaching them different streams of income, like Toro, which is the car rental business, Airbnb. So they're having fun. And they're like one of our students, she started doing Toro. And in just four months, she started earning up to 20000 extra. Hmm. So she's feeling really confident about her student loans because she's been taking that money while in the pandemic, no interest. She's been throwing it at her debt. So she's just, you know, super excited, but she's like one of many, if that makes sense. And we just do different online programming now because we're all learning and interacting differently. Right. In the pandemic, we've had a few live events, not that many because we're still nervous and cautious about sure. things. Um, but the whole goal is to have fun while learning. But my thing I always say to them with love is, you can come in really messed up with your money, but you can't stay here. You know, like it, gets, that, right. <laughs> it gets really weird if you stay in our community for too long and you have no win to report, mm. no credit went up, you didn't learn nothing, you didn't get no new, you know, <laughs> and you would feel uncomfortable because every day somebody's like, hey, y'all, just want you to know my credit. And they're putting screenshots. So I just think it's a really safe place to talk about their credit, their student loans, 
their concerns because everybody there has a commonality. And mm-hmm. most of the people in there has six-figure debt. So wow. it's not a place where anybody's going to be judging anybody. You know, it's a right. place in which we're celebrating wins. So it's been really, really good. Awesome. Now, do you advise students and parents before they take that leap? So we do um, right around, I would say, between April and May, we do uh, a virtual week where we do different programming for free for parents and students on different topics to prepare for college. So my background is a college advisor and financial aid advisor. So and some people on my team have the same professional background and they work with us part time. Mm-hmm. So that's been really cool to help in that way. Now, if they need like a lot of one on one assistance, we'll probably refer to one of our partners for that topic. Because when working with mom and, 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 and daughter or son, it could be a really long, drawn out process. Um, and we had to assess early on, do we want to go that realm or do we want to refer to someone who can offer them better resources such as scholarships and things of that nature so we do have a lot of amazing partners that are doing phenomenal work in that space so it just depends on if they need a quick question you know like quick solution or some long-term hand-holding we probably refer out well since we have you here Sonia and we are in the beginning of the year I think all of us could benefit from a couple of tips from you the mm-hmm. the bills are starting to come in from all the holiday shopping that we did. I know. Um, and we're like, ooh, uh-oh, we got to pay all these bills. Can you give us some general advice for monthly budgeting for this new year? Yeah. Well, one of the things I do at the top of every new year is I literally write out all of the bills that I have coming out of my account. Anything that's on auto pay, just bills in general. And I'm looking at this, and I'm like, do I need to keep this? Is this still relevant? Because we have a lot of things that just Netflix and things to just take away from our money, right? Let's write it all out. Then I tell people to do something really radical, which is you should then attach big major items to some to, to some money. Like where's who's what's paying for this? Who's paying for this? So we do this exercise with our community, uh, which is attaching our uh, dreams to streams is what we call it. Mm. So when you write these big bills out, you should be able to identify, okay, my nine to five will pay for this. Um, my Toro will pay for this because something should be paying for your lifestyle. We don't want you to necessarily not live your life and have a bad lifestyle when we're looking at budgets. And I think when you do it this way, you're more successful, but something has to take care of these bills. Hmm. And oftentimes one salary isn't going to do it for most people. So that allows you to assess, I need to bring in extra money and I need to bring in this amount. And then I don't need to think about what I'm really good at. Or or what can I do with my extra time? So we want to assess what's happening with our bills and and what can be paid for and what needs to be eliminated. Um, We need to take a look for um, any spikes or any changes. Most times people don't realize that, oh, Netflix was $9.99, but now it's $14.99. Am I still okay with, do I even use this services? So look for things that are changing that you may have not realized have changed. Um, And then lastly, I would say, you know, don't feel like you have to cut everything off. How about you reframe the focus and build the lifestyle that you want, Hmm. build the life that you want. Being someone who used to overdraft and didn't have enough. And now I live really well, but that's because I, I, I redesigned what I want my life to look like. I want to drive this car. You know, um, right now I'm skipping winter. So I'm, I'm in Miami. I don't want to be in the cold. That's optional too. <laughs> I have really bad asthma. So, you know, okay. but if I want to live this way, I got to make this amount of money. And if I want to make this amount of money, I've got to do these activities. And, and when you live kind of like that, 
you are able to really enjoy your life because you're telling yourself, yes, I'm giving my, myself permission to live this way. Mm-hmm. And no, I'm not going to do counterproductive activities like sit and watch TV all day because that's not going to get me to the lifestyle that I want to live. So just being honest with yourself and having these conversations and knowing that any moment you can change your life, it's, that's up to you at any moment. You can financially change your life. You can fix your own credit. You know what I mean? You can you can get savvy when people say, I just don't know about. OK, well, let's go to the library together. Let's go to Barnes and Noble. Let's go to YouTube University, which is free 99. Let's listen to a podcast. Let's tune into a show like yours. Let's go learn something new and change what, how we're living. So in the age of information in which we're in, nothing's impossible to learn or even acquiring new money or new wealth is possible because we have the new re- new resources to do so. So this is the best time if anyone's listening to the show to make some more money and reevaluate what they want in life and what they need to survive and not even survive, what they need to thrive. Right. And, you know, if I could just grab more people by the hand and say, come on and start life over, I would <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Gosh, Sonia, it's been so much fun talking with you. You could tell you're really passionate about this and you do make learning about money and paying off debt fun. So how can people get in contact with you if they'd like to use your service? Yeah, they go to our website, uh, drpleasehelpme.com. If you go to our Instagram, The Student Loan Doctor, or we're on Facebook, The Student Loan Doctor, you can find us there. I think we're the most active on Instagram. Um, We have the most fun there. We do a lot of live sessions at night. And I often do a lot of teachings at night so that, you know, if you want to put your child to sleep or lay your child down, just so that there's no barriers. That's your time in the evenings, I believe. And it's just fun. And then it's really nice to see husband and wives together doing classes. And And it's just entertaining at the same time. But they feel good about themselves. They're learning. So just connect with us and then just jump in as fit. Sounds good. Sonia Lewis, CEO of The Student Loan Doctor. Thank you so much for joining us on Bridging Philly. 30 Seconds to Second Chances, brought to you by the Gift of Life Donor Program. In 2013, Timmy Nelson went in for back surgery and got the shock of his life. Found out that my kidneys were failing. Had no idea, no symptoms. A year later, he was on dialysis and in need of a transplant. Probably the most frightening thing I've ever gone through. He focused on his health and got a new kidney three years later on his 60th birthday. Every day is a holiday and I have a new gift of life. Register as an organ donor at DonorsOne.org and help save lives. Welcome back to Bridging Philly. She's the state representative for the city's 198th district, and she has a push to help people get out of student loan debt. Shara Day Howard talks with Darisha Parker. The nationwide debate over student loan debt and its impact on Americans hasn't been lost on Philly or its communities. In fact, State Representative Darisha Parker from the 198th district is taking the matter head on by writing a letter directly to the president and the vice president, asking them to cancel student loan debt because she says for some families, it's a matter of sheer survival. Thank you so much for joining us, Representative Parker. Thanks for having me about a subject that is always near and dear to my heart and many people's conversations that I have. So you say canceling student debt is really about closing the gap between the haves and the have-nots. And you say President Biden's recent pause on payments just isn't enough. If you want to talk about closing poverty, if you want to talk about changing individuals' life, let's talk about a big bill that individuals dread along with those other three letters of the IRS, paying monthly. And that is debt. You know what debt that means? Student loan debt that can haunt you and carry 
and haunt you, your family, and generations to come for various times. And I'm just looking forward to seeing how our current president can make that go away and change the lives. Not put a not put a um, bubblegum stop on it. Like put make it actually eliminate it and go away. And you say in particular, Philadelphia needs the help because it's about that next step and generational wealth, passing down that wealth, but also just basics, like maybe buying a house and really participating in this American dream. When you talk about the haves and the haves not, when you have individuals who have been able to afford or not afford to go receive higher education. And if you if you weren't the type of person who were connected or had individuals around you or counselors who encourage you, even your faith-based community, to go after certain scholarships, then you what you did is you took out a loan. You, you, you acquired a loan and you acquired a debt of a note to say, you don't have to pay me now, but you have to pay me later. And that later is later and later, later, later. So that sometimes follows you 10, 15, 20, and sometimes 30 plus years. You even have sometimes some surgeons who have high promissory and student loan debt because of their, but I'm actually, when I'm talking about Philadelphians, I'm talking about individuals that look like me and you. I'm talking about that African-American community when you're trying to figure out how you're going to make um, ends meet. And sometimes individuals are trying to figure out how to rob Peter to pay Paul or John and everybody else, but you still have this 500 to sometimes some people have to pay $800 or more monthly bill that does not seem that anything is going away because you're only you're only paying on the interest. You're not actually paying on the actual loan. And it, it does haunt you for a very, very long period of time. And it would just help that. Could you imagine if the person who is in charge of this entire country, especially for individuals who are of, of graduated from historic colleges, African-American people. Can you imagine if he was able to get put an additional $800 to $1,500 back in your wallet monthly? Do you know what that would look like for your family, your loved ones? I, I don't need, I mean, you could possibly start a fund or something somewhere else, but you can't because you have this bill that comes every single month. It's not going anywhere. That is the conversation that I don't want to just keep it in the ears, the listening audience of this Philadelphia region. I'm asking, speaking to African-Americans across this Commonwealth and across this United States that know this is something that can happen and it definitely should happen on his watch. Okay, so let's talk about this letter. What exactly was in the letter and why do you find it necessary to write it? When I, we wrote, we pegged the letter to President Biden and we basically said, I need you to, you know, I wanted to, to pull somebody's attention in. I told him I wanted to be eliminated today. Like I wanted that to, to, to stand out to say, I don't want this to be on a 2024 or six or seven months or down the road. No, I want an act. I want you to respond by doing something immediately. It came out of a, of, of a point of passion. It came out of many individuals contacting me and saying, hey, why don't you use your voice and your platform to make this type of conversation go up through the, the steps of Harrisburg all the way up to D.C. So they know that individuals from historically black colleges and universities who are always talking about that they they are 
um, struggling with all of this. And you made sure to call out Vice President Kamala Harris. We need to get somebody who is an HBCU grad and struggled with college debt to make this conversation. And I said, I don't want this conversation about me. I want it about more of individuals that look like me that understand this conversation of student loan debt. That's why we penned the letter. That's why we're asking and demanding something to happen today. Now that we're back in 2022, I will have my staff follow up with our president and vice president to ask a response of, did you receive our letter? What are the next steps? And when are we going to have a virtual call for you to address the demands that's in the letter? So let's talk about some of those efforts. You've been all over the news. You've been hitting the ground, talking to people one-on-one about this initiative. You've also been trying to pull some support from your colleagues in Harrisburg. Well, the best thing that we did was it got my attention when we, we wrote an op-ed and we had it circulated in the African-American newspaper and now I'm able to speak with another broader audience of KYW. And I'm also looking forward to penning this conversation in my African-American alumni associations, fraternities and sororities locally and nationally so other people can join me. Um, Now that we have the big corona, I can't say that we can stand on Washington, D.C. steps because we got to do it safely. (laughs) So now I'm asking individuals safely at home to use their Internet, their social media, their hashtag. Let's do let's do old fashioned way. Let's make some phone calls. Guess what? Let's do some faxes. Let's do some tweeting. Let's do some things that we used to do to get some things heard. Picking up, what did I say? The good old phone. Dialing and making sure that he knows that our voices are heard. Our dyers that want him to change something that's going to change the conversation. It's going to put some money. It's going to build some, maybe some generational wealth because we no longer had this big 400 pound debt monthly lingering every single month. And what about legislation? Legislatively, let's just say this. I wanted to start it off with the letter. Um, Next step for me is we have to do things, as you said, socially distant. So this, I I will be asking my colleagues to join me. um, And I'll be seeking out some of my colleagues who are graduates of historically Black colleges in the House, in the Senate, and that do have some affiliation that can understand what my passion and why I'm asking this this common conversation that everyone knows about. It's not like it's a secret, but guess what? We need to make sure it happens in 2022. I don't want individuals going who graduated in 2021 or back still have to worry about this big debt. They need to know that individuals like myself and my colleagues, that we, we know their voices matter, and we're going to make sure that collectively that we are going to take action. And this is how we can do it, is by asking our president, asking our vice president, who is a graduate of a historically Black college, to take this matter Now, you say that student loan debt, along with the pandemic, has really disproportionately affected the black and brown communities and women in particular. Can you talk about that? Absolutely. Sure. I make it because of the fact, yes, I'm an African-American woman. Yes, I am a legislator. That is my job. But my first thing is the fact that I'm passionate when I have individuals who may not have this platform. 
but we're passionate about that we want a change and that means we've been doing that let's just be real collectively african-american women are powerful african-american women have voice african-american women are advocacy and african-american women get it done so what am i asking i'm asking our african-american collectively who are members of the divine mind who are members of other organizations who are members of churches to call on their sister friend in the White House, who's a graduate of an HBCU? Hey, sister girl, we're asking you to bend Biden's ear. We're asking and demanding that he eliminates this debt so that all African-American women can do better and be better for, and be better role models for our children because we got this done on her watch. And in many cases in Philadelphia, communities and households are being sustained by women, by single mothers. And when you give this money back, and put it in their pockets. It's not about them going out to buy boots or new luxury cars. It's about being able to feed a family, a community. I love the fact that you said the key word. It's not about putting money back in your in your pocket so you can buy a designer boot or designer handbag. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that type of money puts you back into being ahead of the game with your household budget. I wasn't saying we need you to eliminate this debt so that we can get a luxury car or a bigger house. I'm saying that this money could make other bills be ahead because it's other money that you did not think that you were going to have, but you currently are able to make it stretch a little bit longer, able to do more for your family because you have money here as in your current forecast. That's that's what I'm talking about. We as African-American, especially as women, We need to start having these real conversations when it talks about money. And this is the year to do it. I feel like, you know, I I didn't think of things in December as a resolution. I'm thinking of, I am renewed to know that 2022 is our year that we are asking and no longer waiting for a meeting or waiting for an appointment. We are demanding that VP Kamala Harris with President Biden, make sure this debt, this monetary monthly debt is eliminated. Eliminating a debt like this, you say, would give communities an opportunity, families an opportunity to really build generational wealth in the face of the wealth gap, but also after the pandemic has ravaged the finances of many families in Philly. When you're talking about COVID, which many women and men, but I could talk, I could talk personally. Why I could talk personally, I talk about myself, okay? In 2020, you're looking at somebody who did come down with COVID. And not only did I experience COVID, my husband, I passed it on to my husband. But the man upstairs, and we do believe in faith, and you do have to believe in prayer. And it's great to have family and friends because without the prayer and the patience and um, just, just being really steadfast, who knows, the situation could have been a lot worse. And myself and my husband would have been could have been hospitalized, but we were not able to do that. And and why? Because of the fact that we were able to utilize um, our doctors, we were able to utilize our network. And guess what? Some good old holistic medicine. We use some great vitamins. We use some elder. But it's still about that holistic network that you were talking about when we're talking about COVID. One of the things that's really scary and plaguing me about COVID is more people. We need them to take this serious. And that's the part about it that's really getting me nervous, that we're talking about a generation. We're talking about um, when you know every 
every time people think about breast cancers and we talk about there's monthly things that individuals do, you know, either touch your breast in the shower and different things. And you're doing things monthly to make sure that you don't have any type of systems when it comes to breast cancers. We're not having that same conversation as it comes to COVID. It's, 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 it's an after like, oh, did you get tested or did you not any of the preventive measurements to make sure that you're safe, but during these times that it's very dangerous that I have to have an interview with you on a, on a virtual platform, there's things that you and I need to be making sure we constantly do. Are we washing our hands? Are we being sanitized? Are we always wearing a mask? Are we doing these things that are social distances to make sure that we are protective of each other? I, I think those are the things that we got to start doing more. And the sad part about it is the fact that we can only do it on these type of platforms because people, we can't do it face to face, but we still have the old self, faithful cell phone that I feel that individuals need to do more and talk about these conversations. And if you have a question, we have that available too. We have God bless Dr. Alice Stanford and the Black COVID doctors to, that can answer a lot of these questions and myths that we have. Also, we have platforms like your radio station and platform that has various doctors and experts on it that's given us information. Now we currently have on Wednesday mornings, we have our current doctor from the health from the city of Philadelphia that is going to be giving us monthly briefings about COVID. There's more information about COVID that we could be doing collectively together for prevention, for safety, and to bring these numbers down. But we got to pay attention and take it seriously, like it's a state of emergency, so we can bring these numbers down and we can do it collectively. And that safety net, you say, is so important for many families and can be the difference between making it and not making it. I think what ended up happening is when you're talking about COVID and there was some money that was given out for COVID. Um, Mm -hmm. Sadly, some people did not do it in... The, the best manners. They were doing some illegal activities and what's ended up happening with them now and why you got to think of why certain places are looking for all of these individuals to cover these gaps because individuals now aren't working. That's the part that's really scary. We have businesses, we need school bus drivers, we need crossing guards, nurses, teachers, everyone else is a possibly thing because they're not going to these jobs. Exactly. It's people aren't working. And I'm and we've been tra- and what I've been saying to individuals, the main thing I've been saying to individuals is the recruiting mechanism for individuals to get a job, they need to change. And I think yes. they need to change their way of telling people that they are hiring. The old days of bringing um big tables, balloons, and and candy to get people to come to job, people aren't coming to job and get those type of jobs these days. You have to figure out a different way to recruit. You got to figure out a different way to alert. I was talking to somebody on the phone. I didn't even know they were hiring. I was like, why aren't you doing a better job informing individuals that you're hiring? And if you want individuals that the economy will be better to spend money, they have to know that that is available for them. So I just think everybody, I figure in this 20 month time or more that people have been home, You got to be creative. You got to get away from that computer. You got to pretty much go out and ask, why aren't people working? They they would love to get a job if they knew a job existed. You have to do better things. You utilize the radio stations, contacting individuals like yourself, contacting Black organizations 
um, going to your churches, newspaper, television, like all of these type of platforms in addition to social media should be flooded, letting individuals know that there are jobs available. And that's the part that's really alarming to me is the fact that 20, from 2020 to 2021, individuals saw a big stream of funds that came from the federal government. I'm just sorry to let you know, we don't know about that stream of funds that's coming in 2022, okay? That, that, that's really a, the, the thing that we should be talking about. And you said before that the access to information was just as important as anything else, and especially in the Philadelphia communities where it's about understanding that you have to reach out, you got to ask. What are some ways people can really educate themselves? There's a lot of organizations, i.e. nonprofits, CDCs, your churches and your mosques, those type of religious communities that have the information that we were, were able to give them readily by partnering with your local letter, le- elected officials office, i.e. your state representative who you're speaking to now, who would love to partner with you virtually. Um, and also if we can do some mailers together to getting that information out. We have to be a creative to fill this gap. Um, there's small businesses and the, the, the scarier part right now is COVID. So individuals right now are very scared and nervous on how to disseminate the information safely. How can we touch um, individuals who we normally don't have those relationships with? So I think people need to think about these schools. We got school kids. We have parents. We have all a big block of individuals that you may not be touching. Why not partner with the School District of Philadelphia with their network? with how their information and getting disseminated information, if it's safely and it's not anything political, making sure those parents are aware of what's going on in the city. Partnering with the School District of Philadelphia and with their parents association and saying, we wanna have a job fair with you. We wanna have a financial learning center with you. We wanna have a COVID information hub with you. Why? Because we know the masses of individuals of a parent of school-age children you know are going to get information from the school district on any given time. One of the things I said is missing is, I do miss the days, I know people are gonna be upset, but I'm gonna say it. I was raised up on the days that those three letters of KYW was my go-to for every for everything, okay? Everything around. Today, as I'm looking at my window as a snow day, I knew those those three numbers, 201, those 201s would come on the airways from 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. on KYW, alerting me, letting me know that my school was closed. Or you got the famous all Philadelphia public and parochial schools are closed. Those are the days that I miss. Now, where are those type of information and blasts going out? The individuals, some people that we need to reach, they don't have social media. They don't have Facebook. They don't have Twitter. They don't know how to TikTok. They don't know Instagram. So you're still missing a population of people for information. So I feel that all of us need to be better, need to get more creative in disseminating the information. We need to find a better partnership with our local schools, churches, CDCs, and all those other type of communities to make sure that we, we close the gap together and safely while we're closing the gap. So what do people need to do? What are some avenues you think they should take to go and get that information so they can make the most of it, to get ahead? 
Guess what? Isn't this a telephone? We still got a telephone. It's not a person in your house that does not have a cell phone. And I think that cell phone should be utilized enough that when you have information or if you're not sure, you can always call my office at 215-849-6426. That does not, that phone always works and it rings both ways. Um, I think that that's the type of thing. Um, a lot of times, sometimes people are talking about emails and, you know, using emails. And guess what? If a person, if you send an email to Rep. Parker's office and nobody responds, but you send us a, t- a telephone number saying, hey, I sent the email at Friday at 12. I still haven't heard from you. Can somebody give me a call back? That's going to get somebody's attention. And that's, that's to me, it's the follow through. I'm the type of person, I'm old school, okay? Yes, I'm 50, but I believe the fact that when I want a person to know that I've sent them something, I pick up the phone, whether it's a text message, whether it's a tweet, whether it's a Facebook post or TikTok or whatever, I pick up the phone, hey, hey, it's Darisha. You know, I'm Darisha outside of my job. I just sent you information. Did you receive it? No. Okay, so let me send it again. Did you get it? That's a five-minute conversation. I just think those social graces should be returning. Sometimes when you hit send, you're assuming that person has received it. You got to do that extra layer to find out and confirm that they've received the information that you're requesting. And you're telling people to reach out, reach out to you. But you say there are other ways to get help as well. Absolutely. If we want to talk about some student loans, and we want, we still have, I'm still a state rep. Let's talk about the Pennsylvania Higher Education Assistant Agency. I know that's that fear. Woo! We also have uh, other outlets and other um, college programs and college initiatives that we definitely can connect you with to see how we can do that. But the first start outside of me, we're talking about that federal student loan debt, or maybe it's a college debt. We have our congressman's office, and we also have our state offices. I don't want a person to think that because I'm an elected official that we can't connect you. No, no, no. We're here to connect you. We also have um, college readiness programs that's available through the city of Philadelphia as well. I don't have them in front of me, but if you call that 215-849-6426, we will definitely connect you wherever you need to be. So what are you asking people to do? How can people help you in your effort? I'm asking individuals um, to, first of all, take a deep breath. And I'm going to take a a time, a, 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 a song, a little words from the woman, Mary J. Blige. Good morning, gorgeous. You are out standing. You are beautiful. You are doing amazing things. If you haven't heard it from anybody, you are hearing it from your state rep. I appreciate you, but I can't do anything alone, but we need you. We need you to take all of this energy that you have bottled up and be active. Get involved. I need you to be a warrior and I need you to join me in this fight. A fight that you said isn't about pitchforks. It's about prosperity for the whole community, all of us. Thank you so much for joining us here, Representative Parker. I appreciate you. Thanks for having me. At Devereaux Advanced Behavioral Health, we exist to change lives by unlocking and nurturing human potential for people living with emotional, behavioral, or cognitive differences. We were founded in 1912 by a special education teacher in South Philadelphia, and since then, we've been treating the most vulnerable members of the population in the same way we would treat our own families. To learn more about our evidence-based, trauma-focused care for children, adolescents, and adults, visit Devereaux.org. 
the Philly Rising Changemaker of the Week. Presented by Deborah Advanced Behavioral Health. Welcome back to Bridging Philly. I'm Antoinette Lee here with this week's Philly Rising Changemaker. Ant Brown, he's a community activist, youth engager, and positive rapper who's been touring around schools in Philadelphia, engaging the youth with something he calls the Abro Experience. Now, the main goal of this is to inspire the youth with positivity and try to deter some of the gun violence and the negativity that we've seen rise over the past year. Ant, thank you so much for joining us on Bridging Philly. I'm so happy to highlight you because you're definitely bridging the community. So first, tell us a little bit about your background. I'm originally from South Philadelphia. I was born and raised there. So I was about 11 or 12. And um, that was around the time my brother got killed. And we ended up moving up in the Olney area after that. So I kind of was all over the city for real, for real. You know, it's a little bit cliche. You know, I grew up in the hood. It's like the same thing happening every day. You know, you might hear some gunshots around the corner. Um, I grew up with a mom on drugs. So that was like, a big challenge for me as well and um I didn't have really much good influences around me and I think that's what made me want to do the positive stuff that I'm doing now for those who don't know what is the Abro experience the Abro experience is a school tour that promotes positivity through art entertainment and education we utilize social media influencers to engage with students because the students all watch these influencers so what we do is we bring them to the kids and we utilize them to give y'all the message they received it better it started to like pick up people with bigger following and more established and it just became a movement of bringing influences into the schools it's also mentoring you know like i uh i have a lot of deep life conversations with the students as well it's not just like yo let's just rap also is it's mind transforming when you rapping negative stuff all the time you know that become a part of your site but now we implement in positive lyrics and positive thought patterns inside of their minds. So we also reshaping the way that they think as well. So before we wrap up, pun intended, I have to ask if we can hear a little something. I could say, um, I was the broke boy that had no dreams, a nice try. He was the one with his wings up in the sky, walk in the living room, seeing his mother cry. Shut off, notice he see the tears in the eyes. Holding the shoulder, he want to give us some closure. Said, don't worry about me. Make sure you get your diploma. Get your children a future. I wasn't able to get you. Don't be no follower. Always follow your first intuition. It's leaders like me that'll be leading the pack. I'm hoping y'all get attached to what I put in these rats. The city of dreams, but my dreams crumbling fast. The rumbling in the stomach, the stumbling in the fast. Mumbling in the raps. It's something put in a crack. It ain't nothing to get them tapped, but something you heard was said. I think I'm going to leave it at that real quick. (laughs) All right, y'all. That's Ant Brown from the Abro Experience, positive rapper and community activist. If you would like to keep up with what he has going on, you can find him on Instagram at Ant Brown ENT. That's Ant Brown ENT. He's very active and accessible on there. That's it for our Philly Rising Changemaker this week. If you know someone we should highlight next, please reach out to me. You can find me on Twitter at ARLeeOnAir. That's A-R-L-E-E on air. Thanks for joining us for Bridging Philly, brought to you by Gift of Life Donor Program. Organ donors save lives. Be sure to connect with us on Twitter at Bridging Philly and subscribe to the podcast. For Internet Lee, Shara Day Howard, and our producer, Arian Fulcher, I'm Raquel Williams. Be well.